This is Bespoke, a podcast exploring the making of bespoke objects and experiences, devised and hosted by Adriana Pace-Kent. Hi, I'm Adriana, the founder of Woven Spaces, a creative lab that explores how to build better and shape meaningful places. The unique object or experience has always had a powerful appeal, but the process of bespoke commissioning still remains shrouded in mystery. That's why I started Bespoke, a podcast inspired by the designers and makers who create something unique and the people who commission them. Join me as I meet designers, makers, brokers and their clients, find out how commissioning really works and discover the secrets of this very special relationship. This is Bespoke. Why would a successful architect, intent on building her dream home, commission someone else to design it? To find out, I met up with Huey, the architect who wrote the brief, and Katerina and Billy, the architects she chose to work with on the commission. Huey, a former associate partner at world-renowned firm Foster & Partners, now focuses on property development, while Katerina and Billy established the award-winning architectural practice Bureau de Change. I've had the pleasure of working with Katerina and Billy on a project, so I know all about the passion and the quality they bring to everything they do. In this episode of Bespoke, we talk about taking a clear brief, doing something unexpected with it, and living the adventure that follows. But first, Hue explains her decision to bring in another architect. Initially, um, I had Bertrand Change uh, as sort of uh, for quotation. Obviously, I had other architect as a quotation, but um, I didn't went for Bertrand Change at the beginning. Um, so I went along with another architect. But halfway through the process, I didn't feel it was the right um, fit. Um, so I had to decommission and came back to Bureau to Change. And, and, and then since our collaboration, I think we, I made absolutely the right choice um, in terms of um, carry the project uh, forward to become my home. Um, so the process has been a loop process. Um, and my brief um, has always been uh, sort of very simple, rational. Um, And I wasn't sort of knew what I wanted because coming from a sort of architectural design background uh, as well myself, that I always knew exactly, you know, how many bedrooms I need. Do I need a study? Do I need a guest bedroom? Do um, do I need additional bathrooms? How, where I prefer the living room to be, a kitchen to be? It's always been very clear. So I've always been very clear about having the kitchen, living room being in a flipped relationship. Because the old Victorian house never really worked for me, because the living room being facing the sort of the street, the busy front, then it's never have the privacy. So I've always preferred that diagram. So I think Bureau to Change took that brief very well, and then sort of uh, did the sort of final design as we see today. As an architect, were you not tempted to design the space yourself? Why did you go to an, another practice? So at the time, um, obviously being an architect from the profession, there's always tendency that you want to take over the design. And if you want to do that, you know, you might as well DIY yourself. Why would you spend the money economically to, you know, get someone else to do it? Then you might as well do it yourself. So in that sense, I made my decision very early on is to, you know, be the client, step away, let the best professional handle what they do best. Um, so it's never been difficult for me to, to do that. Um, you know, having worked with Spirit of Change, they really do what they do best in terms of design. So I think that was quite easy process for me. 
And how important was it for the new space that you were creating to say something about you as a person and your personality? How did Bureau de Change help you to tell that story? Um, so for me, I've always been, um, you know, I've always loved prints and colours. I've always into fashions. I mean, I sort of, you know, into that sort of thing. So I've always uh, wanted a very stylish home. Um, I wanted to put a magazine, you know, showcase my home. That's always been my dream of my life. Um, you know, my second home, it's sort of another dream, but obviously this is the first home. Um, so I've always um, looking onto, you know, like magazine, like designs, um, you know, architectural design magazines, just to look through things, um, to look at things that I, I like. So, um, you know, my personality has always been like that. So I always wanted to find an architect who are very creative. And I was actually, I found Bureau to Jane through designs, I have to say. So I literally looked through a magazine. I found Bureau to Jane. Okay, I might as well contact them. Look through the website. Okay, there we go. I'm going to email them. So that's exactly how I found them. I think they sort of had multiple awards. I think looking at the history of their track record, it fits my taste as a, as a person. Also, I think they, they can do a good job on my home. So that's how I came along. So, Billy and Katrina, having received Hui's brief, how do you then start to unpick all the opportunities and the narrative? I guess, in a way, for us, it was quite interesting that the brief was very practical and very clear with regards to the requirements of the house. And and having that, we, we started, as we always do in our projects, we start doing research about what exists in the area, what do we want to do, perhaps, that could be new. And because we had quite a tight house, we started thinking about how we can extend, but kind of work through the planning requirements, not imposing light into the neighbours, but do it in a way that is a little bit more geometric and sculptural. We always try to avoid doing things that are, are perhaps very... Uh, more expected. Very expected, yes. So avoiding the triangulated glass that you would find on a side extension. So by playing with this diagram of the 45 degrees, we came up with something that was quite sculptural, thinking about it from the exterior, but also the space that it could create internally and how we could make a living room that starts having pockets of spaces and kind of corners that you can occupy and find yourself almost inside your garden whilst being inside the house. But it was, I, I, I wanted to say that it was also a little bit stressful, I guess, at the beginning, because it's kind of, you're getting a brief from an architect and you're designing their house. So you kind of, so you feel the pressure. So that was the first thing. But then also at the same time, it's super exciting because you kind of also secretly think because they're an architect client, maybe they'll be open to slightly um, more, more, even more unexpected things. So it's, you kind of find yourself in the middle of like, oh, is it going to be good enough? But then at the same time, should it be like super amazing? Because maybe, you know, they'll go for it. So you kind of that, I feel like um, it, it didn't affect the journey, but it kind of infused the journey with a, a different kind of energy. A little bit more drama. A little bit more drama. Yes, that's what it is. Because when you're working with um, clients, how do you help them to manage to manage their expectations of the project, but also you're bringing new, a completely new approach often to how people read the space that they have to, to work within or to create. How do you help them along that journey to connect with the unexpected? 
Well, I guess the, the 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 way we present the work is is probably mostly how we get them on board. It's partly the the, the research and all the things that we put together that, that actually result into a narrative. That then we kind of almost take the client's hand and we kind of go on a journey together. But then we also visually how we present the work kind of helps, I think, because we kind of show it step by step. It's never a and this is what the house looks like, or this is what we've always wanted to design, or this is our style. It never is any of these things. It's always like, this is us responding to your brief, to the site, to the restrictions, to the history, to our research, to all of these things. And then step by step, we're building the design as we present it. So I feel like that we have found helps clients understand it more easily, but then also kind of get on board with the ideas. And then it's also easier for them to respond in the sense that if they have comments or if there's things that do not work for them, they can pick a moment in time through that presentation that where that happens. Mm -hmm. So it's a lot easier to get, I guess, better response as well. Yeah, correct. Yeah. I guess, I guess we always tell a story and it starts from our first meeting that that we take somebody through that journey. And, and as Billy said, it's almost it's almost like reading a book in a way. Like I, I think we, we try to organize our presentations in a way that it makes sense. We go from chapter one to the end and there is kind of a flow. And in that flow, you can go through and kind of pick things or have extra conversations and, and maybe things grow in a different direction that you were not expecting. Maybe they change, but, but there is at least there is a story to respond to rather than just surprise or or kind of uh, abstract kind of presentations of ideas that are out of context or which is which sometimes happens is like this is what we felt is the good is the right choice or this is what we felt is is nice enough which is never the case i mean this is the, you know even how they work we work we kind of arrive at something through a process mm -hmm. so we kind of share the process mm -hmm. I think there's always emotion uh, along the way, and and we we are anyway working in a profession that's very subjective. Uh, but I think it's it's about trying to explain to the client a journey of of thinking, so that they are able to respond to that through kind of practical uh, decisions, in a way that have been made in the process. I imagine also being a home that you have to really build a sense of trust between the two of you. And how were you able to foster that? It's still not there. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think in terms of, I think the key was communications, uh, whether it was informally or formally. I mean, I prefer informally. We much prefer informally, which I think works very well between us, um, whether that was conversations through phone calls or messages or emails. I think it, we always kept each other in a loop. Um, it's not hard just to pick up core and just have a conversation about issues because projects are, you know, they're complex. Mm -hmm. There's always going to be problems along the way. So having that clarity of a communication and in terms of the, you know, the, how fast we communicate to each other, it's really helped the, the building up of the trust. Mm -hmm. um, so that I think that that really sort of give that really good relationship between Build to Change and, and me as well. Um, for me, that was that was important. And how did you find it being a client, having obviously being on the other side of the process? What did you feel you brought to it and what were the challenges for you? Um, I think it's a very interesting journey for me because that was a that was the first step for me to being a developer. Was, that was the plan. That was actually part of the plan. Uh, so I sort of planned the journey. So I thought, 
that was the first step for me being a different role and see how I get on. Um, you know, being a developer is a very stressful process, uh, especially if it's a commercially, um, you know, if it has to be commercially viable, it's a very stressful process. Um, so I thought having doing my house, it's a first step, stepping away from being a designer. Let's see how I do it. So there are challenges. Mm. For example, cost, it was, it was, a, it was a challenge. Um, you know, we're working with existing fabric. There are things discovered on site and expected. Um, when you strip with the plasters, you know, there are structural problems, you have to fix it. The bricks are turning into dust, so you have to, you know, pay extra to, to fix those things. But I think that also is a, it's a sharp learning curve. You sort of have to budget in at the very beginning, then you don't get inspected. So for example, with a re- refurb, you sort of have to budget at least 15% of, on top of your initial construction budget. So I think that was a key for me along the way to learn it as a step one. I think, you know, being having done that, um, I can do it better the next time, which I think I am um, in this sort of my sort of other jobs. <laughs> and what do you think are the kind of the common um, issues that arise when shaping a brief together with perhaps obviously where you you have an understanding as an architect of the potential of the space. But um, from your experience, what do you often encounter with clients who perhaps haven't had the same experience and understanding? I guess the decision-making process, perhaps. For For us, it was a very... it, it It is quite rare to find people making decisions for their home very quickly and not changing their minds. And, and I think perhaps uh, thinking that who I came from the architectural world, you know, when you know that all of these materials and everything exists around you, that maybe it makes it more difficult to actually boil down to how you want your house to look like. But it was quite a, a pleasant uh, experience to, with you. And, and it was actually quite easy to, to go through decisions. It was, really smooth, it was very smooth. Yeah. But I think the spectrum is quite wide and it goes from clients that really come to an architect and they really don't know what they want. So they, we've had clients where they've come and they've said, we, we just don't know what we want, but we know what we don't want when we see it. So then you start, you know, so then you start on a journey kind of really navigating that, which is a bit of a strange sort of landscape. Semi-blind. Yeah, perhaps. yeah, exactly. <laughs> but how do you help them to shape that? You have to show them, well, what has happened is you have to show them a lot of things. And then when you show them a lot of things, then they are able, and sometimes they find it easier to say the things they don't like more easily than the things they like. And we push that, actually. And we we push that, yeah, because, yeah, sometimes people respond to that a bit more easily. But then, then, then kind of you navigate your way through that process. But that is a lengthier process and a lot more complex whereas and then I guess this situation with where was at the other end of the spectrum where we would show options and be like okay it could be this could be that and she would immediately pick and say okay this is the one or I don't want this and it's done in a kind of like really straightforward quick way and then we know where we stand and it goes back to the trust it never you know no one's feelings ever got hurt or no one was like oh why did you not pick that it was always like okay cool we're moving on with this so it was um 
for us, that worked really well, I think. And I think it is important to show options uh, in residential, in homes. When when you design a home for somebody, not too many, because then no. you then you you don't know what to choose. I think it's about curating your ideas and kind of selecting specific spaces and specific materials, and actually under the big umbrella of the idea of the house, giving the client options to to feel first of all that they're choosing, which is very important because it's their home, but also secondly to also understand exactly, you know, where they're sitting with regards to materials and colors and textures because the plan was never to create a blank canvas. It was about having spaces that have a lot of personality, which again adds a beautiful challenge, but a challenge to the brief. But I guess having shaped narrative from the start, it's easier for people to understand where that fits within narrative. Yes. Um, there's an overarching story Absolutely. People can connect with emotionally as well as practically. And that's why that story is important. I think that story is very powerful once you have that story beginning. You know, when you pick materials, much easier because there, there isn't a better option out there. It's not like you're picking things from millions of options. So it made the process very smooth and straightforward, simple for me. Because I imagine part of the temptation is for a client to just cherry pick the bits that they're interested in, rather than understand how all of these different elements sit together in conversation with each other. Yeah, I think that's a, a very common thing. Um, even in my profession, I experienced that as well. Um, so I think, you know, having me sort of in this relationship, not doing that, it was so important. Um, and that just let them thrive and they, you know, do the best design and that fits my brief. So I think that was perfect. But I think that's how you get a result that's, you know, it's a consolidated piece of work. So when you walk into that house, and I'm not saying that because we've designed it and you're here, <laughs> but when you actually walk into that house, you really feel like from the moment you enter to the moment you go to the top, top floor or outside, I don't know where you go, it's all part of this. It feels like one, one house. Coherent. Right? Yeah, it's very coherent. And even though there's different colors and different textures and there's a lot of variation in, in things and it's quite a rich palette of materials and textures and so on, it all feels like it's one story. And I think that happens only when you can have that or when you allow that process to be that way. Otherwise, it feels like a, a lot of different people have chosen a lot of different things and put them together and then it never quite works. Mm. So I think you require, I, I think, an element of trust from the client at some point. And obviously that trust can be a different percentage, but it, it needs to be enough to allow the creative people to basically develop the designs and, and always keep that design within the umbrella of the of the big idea. Because it doesn't happen in isolation. It's still a, it was a dialogue like all the way, literally every day, all the way. So it's not... I don't think what we're saying is, oh, let the Arctic do their thing. Yeah, there, it's 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 a conversation all the way, but it's just a, a a specific type of conversation, which allows both parties to sort of get to the best possible result in the end. I think because it's not like at any point we present the concept and then we disappear and suddenly we arrived at the end of the construction site and walked into her house. We have specific meetings to discuss, even down to the details of the connections of things and the different kind of materials that sit on the steps and the actual material on the island and and the corners and and you discuss bevels of two millimeters but you also but they sit under the bigger umbrella of a house that kind of steps and breathes and and does whatever it does 
And so having this ongoing dialogue, did that help you to manage? Because all building projects, there are always unforeseen little gremlins that emerge, particularly when you're working with an existing fabric and there are challenges that have to be managed. How did you manage those together? I think, again, communication, as yeah. Billy said before, it was such an important thing to be to be open with the client the moment we realized that something could be a challenge and to basically just call her or meet her on site or have a discussion about this and try to find a solution. We know we love working with existing fabrics, but, but we know that they come with a lot of challenges because nothing is perfect. And you have to be ready as, a, as an architect and as a creative person to find solutions once things are opened up. Uh, because there will be these things that we will have to amend. And we have found that, and it's, and it's part of the journey as well. And I think we say that to the client from the beginning. Yeah, it's transparency for sure to be able to have those conversations when issues arise without feeling that, you know, it's, it's, there's no blame game, there's no, there's an understanding that, you know, situations like that do come up and then the best way to deal with them is to come up with solutions rather than either ignore them or just accept them. And I think we had that. So whenever anything happened, it was immediately immediate kind of, this is happening. We've thought of these two different ways that we can resolve it. What do you think? This is what that means. This is what that means in terms of cost, time, blah, blah, blah. And then Huawei was really quick at, again, kind of saying, okay, this is, I feel like this is the best way forward. Let's do this. And then went back to the contractor. So it was, um, we managed, I feel like we managed that process in a very smooth kind of good way. Mm -hmm. I agree. And very positive way as yeah. well. Well, it sounds like you invited Huawei into the conversation and into the process and into the understanding of how you then try to work it through mm -hmm. rather than, as you say, fait accompli, well, this is the solution. Yeah. It's a dialogue, which... I also think you had an interest in the site as well, which is kind of nice um, in the sense that also I find sometimes clients in private residential, they, they're they too either scared of the site or the construction time where they don't, because they don't quite understand it or they feel like it's something, it's a higher power which then also always uh, makes the contractor the, the kind of the owner of that higher power. Whereas for you, you were quite interested in all the works and how they happen and the process. And yeah, I mean, you were following it really closely. And again, but again, not in a, um, because again, there's the other danger that if you do it really closely, then you kind of start micromanaging the site. The clients start micromanaging the site themselves, which never ends well because they kind of form a relationship with the contractor and bypass the process and stuff. But you didn't do that either, but you just followed the works and you had a genuine interest in how they evolve and how they could be, when issues arise, how they can be fixed and, you know, that kind of thing, which, again, was a very um, fruitful kind of process, I think. Yeah, and very unique yeah. how you stroke that balance. Because, again, as Billy said, you can very easily go to the other end. And then, but, but throughout the process, I think it's very important to say that you had an understanding and a respect of what we as architects brought to the table from the beginning of the concept to the completion of this project. I guess my question for you, Hui, is how has your experience working with Billy and Katerina informed how you look at developing new spaces? Um, would you commission in the same way with different architects? No. <laughs> and after all and that this, was the end of the podcast <laughs> thank you thank you everyone for listening <laughs> I think you know every um, architect has a very unique way of working and I think it's important to respect each architect in that sense for Billy and Katerina to be able to change I think they 
they they are very unique um, in a sense that they um, they really create something unique. So for me, I I knew from the beginning that I've always wanted a bespoke product, and hence Beauty Change fits that perfectly as a bespoke uh, journey. I guess my question is to be in Katarina, what what's your dream commission? What's the one that you drop everything for? I I want to say that in the process of having your own practice, your the the dreams change because you have to dream big, but you also have to dream you have to have smaller dreams in the process. <laughs> <laughs> and and dreams are, are usually a response to the reality. So I think sometimes these two kind of go together. And and I'm saying in a very convoluted way that I think our dreams or or my personal dreams okay. as a as a founder of periodicians <laughs> change uh, quite often and and they change scale and and they change function but but perhaps if we were to focus on on the client side of things because i think it is important and having a, a client that understands that gives you enough freedom and enough trust to kind of design incredible things for us would be the dream and whatever project came with that client would be the dream project i yeah no i agree <laughs> so it's the client rather than the space. And, and I think you come to realize that as, because I, I guess it's a weird sort of process, but it, it takes years to, to realize that. Because at the beginning you're like, oh, my dream is to do big cultural projects or oh, I want to do big museums. And then you kind of realize it doesn't really matter what it is as long as you have the right kind of client. And then anything could be a dream project from, I don't know, designing a table or designing a museum. But I think it took us, and, I, and that's why I said I agree, but it took, it take, it took us a while to, to get there. Because mm. at the beginning you think more like oh, the bigger projects or whatever, but then that changes as, as you go through the journey. My last question is, if there was one piece of learning that you could share from your experience of working with each other, what would that be? Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, I just threw that out there on the table. No, I think for me it's literally, I think basically a summary of everything that we've discussed, I think having the trust and the communication with the client, but then also feeling that they, but also from their side, them respecting you, your work, but also the process um, is what made this project, this journey in this project for us so smooth and so enjoyable. So I think these are the key, sort of the key ingredients that I feel like I would distill from, from this and that I think would be nice to have in every other project if possible. I agree. I think I think it was a it was a pleasure as a process, but it is also or so we think reflected in the end result. Yeah. And and the fact that when you when you look at the when you look at the space every time we go there, but also when you look at all of the pictures that capture the space, there is a very clear journey and there is a big picture, but there's also small little pictures in there that all have been kind of designed and curated because of the communication and the trust. And uh, and who has kind of like really really beautiful attitude through the process of understanding our role and respecting it and challenging it. Yeah, I mean, it's it's for me um, being the role changes. It's it's I always pressure the, the 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 designer who always has a pure heart. You know, I think they deserve better. That's just sort of in my sort of you know my sort of view. So for, for my opinion, I think, you know, being a developer, in, in a sense, I am 
you know, I wanted to contribute to the community, to the society. And having that puzzle given to build to change, for example, my following commercial development, you know, there's a beautiful space that I wanted to create for the community and, and build to change if they can play part in that. I think it's it's a massive, uh, you know. I would feel proud myself and also beauty chain being part of it to to be able to do that for the society. Um, I think you know that, that. Let's see, sort of. I'm, I sort of really look forward to to that project um, in the you know in the next step. Oh, it sounds fantastic! I can't wait to see it. <laughs> um, well, thank you all so much for sharing your experience today and providing such wonderful insight into how you can shape a magical new dream home together. So, thank you. That's thank great. You. Thank you, Adrian. Thank you. This is Bespoke. So, look out for the next episode of Bespoke. In the meantime, make sure to subscribe to the show and connect with us through our website, wavenvoices.co.uk and Instagram at Bespoke. We'd love to hear from you. So for now, it's goodbye from me, Adriana Pace-Kent. And as ever, a massive thank you to all my guests. Bespoke is a Woven Voices production. Find out more at wovenvoices.co.uk. Brought to you by Woven Spaces, shaping meaningful places online and on site. Audio production by The Boy in the Corner. <laughs>